The first impression that the internet gets is, oh my God, you sick, disgusting monsters. How are you turned on by cartoon ponies? And what you're saying is, actually, the people turned on by these cartoon ponies are actually very good. Like they're, they're triggered by instincts driven by being a very good committed partner. I'm sorry I don't consume My Little Pony porn. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a terrorist. This is, this is probably one of your greatest downsides. Think about all that, that is recommended about these, these gentlemen here. And true, the, the true gentleman, gentleman is the word, really. Men of class and, and men of, No, men of class and distinction. Genuinely. Okay, and like the whole gradation of, of genres of this type of material. I have to say, hats so, off so, to these guys. Would you like to know more? Hello, gorgeous. Hello, Simone. I come to you today dressed as an intellectual. Because <laughs> people have said we are intellectuals. Well, la-dee-da. Well, I don't know, like elite, not an intellectual, elites. This is, this is the brand we have publicly, I guess. So this is an elite conversation. Elite, if, if that counts as what Yahoo News calls us, in scare quotes. In scare quotes, yes. <laughs> Elites. Well, tell me, Mr. Elite Intellectual, what have you been reading about today? Well, so there was this poll on Reddit, which was going through the different fandoms that people create R34 artwork of. So R34 is based on the internet rule, rule 34, that if it exists, there is porn of it. And God bless America. God bless the internet. You little pervs. Anyway, so the second most common fandom the material was coming from was My Little Pony, which is interesting. And it's actually something we talk about in our book, because if you think about it, humans are degenerates, of course, especially males. So you would expect it would be some fandom with like scantily clad women. Actually, the the fandom that, that beat it was Pokemon. But um, oh, okay, well, I don't I don't want to get into that. But yeah, you expect that it's going to be topped by a bunch of these fandoms because there are a lot of fandoms out there that have a lot of scantily clad women in them. Yeah. Uh, so wh why aren't those the fandoms that are dominating these spaces? Well, I'd love to hear. Do you have a theory or? I I mean both both of these top top rankers are kids shows. So I feel like there's something that has to do maybe with, I don't know, it can't be nostalgia though, because the adult audience that got into My Little Pony was not into My Little Pony as a kid. It was the new reboot of My Little Pony that they only consumed as adults. Exactly. So I think it's a couple things that are happening here. So I think the core is, is we need to understand what sexuality, like what are arousal patterns? Today, we think of them as being these like despicable, disgusting things because so many of our cultural traditions have evolved around repressing them. And, and for good reason, they lowered fertility rates if you just indulge in them whenever you have them. So a lot of cultures, the cultures that were like, just indulge in your sexuality whenever you feel it, they did not have as many surviving offspring and they were outcompeted by the cultural groups that recommended a high level of self-control. Mm -hmm. However, however, what did all of these systems evolve for in the first place? And it was to breed with high quality partners who would also dedicate resources to the offspring so that those offspring could make it to adulthood, right? So far, so good. Yeah, this seems so reasonable. Far, so, good. so it would be almost crazy if our arousal systems 
we're not paired in a way where we find people who our brains subconsciously recognize as good wife partners and members of our social group who we think about a lot, who we mentally engage with a lot as more arousing than ones we don't, you, particularly ones that we feel uniquely safe around, particularly ones that model our society's ideals around womanhood as it relates to long-term partnership. And that's what I really think you are seeing here is the very system that evolved to motivate the most wholesome of emotions be more likely to become aroused by people who you see as wholesome and your friends, right? So the, the first impression that the internet gets is, oh my God, you sick, disgusting monsters. How are you turned on by cartoon ponies? And what you're saying is, Actually, the people turned on by these cartoon ponies are actually very good. Like they're they're triggered by instincts driven by being a very good committed partner who wants well, to. Well, I'm not saying it's a good thing <laughs> to to be out there consuming this sort of material or creating this material. But what I'm saying, but you're saying is it this... comes from a good place. You're saying no, I'm not saying it comes from a good place. Okay, what I'm saying is the evolutionary pressures that motivated this behavior were actually, I mean, it's, it's obviously, so suppose you're coding software, right? Okay. And you're like, well, I want people to form like good relationships. So let's code the software to be like, yeah, be more likely to form a relationship with something you see as wholesome, something you spend a lot of time around. And if you think like specifically the My Little Pony show, you look at these characters, because we used to be bronies. We engaged in like, did like my little pony memes and my proposal to you and I did that Reddit proposal that, that yes. went viral. I bet some of our listeners don't even know that we're those those people who, who did those that. Those types of people. But anyway, if you think about the characters in the show, they each represent a different stereotype of ideal long-term female partners. Hmm. With, with all of the aspects of that exaggerated and very few of the downsides. So if you're talking about a cultural archetype that people would glom onto, yes. And then two, because a large community formed around the show, a lot of people saw them as almost like high status individuals within the community. Like that would be the closest thing their evolutionary brain would have to what a star of a show is. Well, now, hold on, hold on. What you're saying here, and actually, I feel like this doubly recommends this community to women. Okay, so let's say that I'm a woman who's dating, and I discover that the guy I'm dating is aroused by, what do they call it, clop? <laughs> Arousing material related to My Little Pony, or they watch it for the plot or something, something like that, right? But I find my boyfriend's into it, or the guy I'm dating. What you're saying is, he, one, is aroused by people with whom he has or characters, figures with whom he has a close emotional relationship. And two, he's aroused by characters and people who show diligence, pro-social behavior. It's, I think most women would, would think, oh, this must be a freak. I can't date him, red flag. Whereas like, oh, I would see a bigger red flag would be a guy who's like super aroused by violence and porn, like gangbangs. Like, we'll get to that like, in a future uh, podcast. Well, yeah. okay, so two things here. One is, I'm sorry I don't 
consume My Little Pony porn. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a terrible. This is this is probably one of your greatest downsides. Think about all that that is recommended about these these gentlemen here. And true, the, true gentleman, gentleman is the word. Really, men of class and and men of, no men of class and distinction. Genuinely. Okay, that- and like the whole gradation of, of genres of this type of material, I have to say, hats so, off so to these guys. One thing that I think that, that you're touching on here that I really want to dive into more on a, a later podcast, but I think it's interesting, is we didn't have this theory when we were doing our sexuality book, so I wasn't able to elucidate on it. But since then, we've gotten to be friends with Ayla, and we've talked a lot about the way arousal patterns work, and we've gotten a chance to look at some of her data that's come out, and we've gotten some new ideas and one of the ideas we have is that male sexuality may actually be polymorphic. And by that, what I mean is it expresses itself differently in different environments. And I suspect that somewhere within the male brain, there may be something that tries to determine if a potential partner is in the long-term partner category of their brain or is in the we are raiding a village time to make as many kids as possible before we we leave right part of their brain because the optimization of arousal patterns for these two different types of potential breeding interactions is wildly different Mm. and it would almost seem to be useful for men to have both of these patterns stored within their brains Mm. for different scenarios and in women, we actually argue in, in the book that women also have a polymorphic sexual behavior pattern. So in women, the more partners they sleep with, the less oxytocin they release with new partners. And that basically means that they are forced to fall in love less with a partner. Like they have less instinctual, I love this person because they slept with me. And well, they're just less likely to get super attached. They're not yes, going yes, like, to receive the person. same level of, of like addiction. This can actually cause trouble for women on the dating market when if they've slept with a, a number of people, they will start to say, well, I'm looking for a guy who made me feel the way X previous partner I had made me feel. And it may be that their biology has just adapted so no other partner will ever make them feel that way, which can lead to them discounting potentially really good romantic partners for long-term relationships. But what that means is their biology is basically saying, okay, if I am in a monogamous tribe and I, like, this is the optimization. It's actually a really brilliant sort of polymorphic behavior pattern. It's saying, well, if I'm in this tribe, right? and this is a monogamous tribe, and it's a stable tribe, and I have one partner, then it is useful to form an illogical attachment to the first person you sleep with. But if I, my tribe has been raided and I'm being passed around as like a sex slave, well, then it's, it's useful to not form attachments to everyone I'm sleeping with, right? So in women, you see this one pattern of changing sexuality. But in men, you'd want those two sexualities to overlap on the same mind. Hmm. And what we were arguing from the data might be true, that we haven't collected data specifically on this, there's just hints of it, is that a lot of men may actually have two overlapping sexualities. One that expresses with people they see as potential long-term partners. So this would express in in terms of like shows that they really enjoy for a long time or something like that, as well as, so like rule 34 stuff, but as well as like their wives, right? And then uh, another form of of sexuality, which is like the type of sexuality that gives them arousal when they're consuming porn or something like that. Well, okay. Hold on. Let me see if I if I understand you correctly. So we've more discussed in, in other places this polymorphism with female sexuality, which is basically 
the fewer sexual partners a woman has, the more attached she gets. And if she has yeah. more sexual partners, that's a sign you should get less attached. Okay, that's smart. It means you're in a society where maybe you need to be a little more flexible. That's good. Okay. So, but for men, the thing is like men may also be in a position where sort of a switch can flip of like, hey, like it's time for me to be aroused by committed relationships because I'm in that kind of stable society. And then the other flip is sort of like, oh, hey, I should more what devalue women just be like willing to churn through them is what 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 it, what exactly are signs of the other form of like male polymorphism like one one is pair bonded husband kind of material what is what does the other one look like well i i'd argue that it's probably like brutal sexuality like like much more hardcore you would think it could be expressed in online porn as rape stuff like that well, what, what I'm trying to get at here, which, which I think is interesting, is what we've seen with swipe-based dating and the failure of, of relationship markets is that probably the vast majority of men, the implication of your theory is that the vast majority of men who are not really getting many sexual partners, if any sex at all, mm -hmm. um, are going to fall into this husband category, which we'd, we'd say is fairly pro-social and, and good for a relationship. Whereas like the smaller group of men that is able to access a very broad array of women and actually does have a pretty oh, high sexual point. partner count is going to be, per this theory, flipped to a much more, at least from the perspective of a female partner, toxic form of sexuality. Well, not necessarily from the perspective of a female partner, because if we live in a society where women also have lots of sexual partners, then they are going to be in slave state sexuality, which basically means they are going to be more turned on by being by more violent scenarios, by, by more, more violent, violent scenarios, which yeah. which shows up in our data, right? Then the percentage of women, what was it like around 40% who reported actually being aroused by these violent coercive scenarios? Yeah, um, had more sexual partners. Yeah. Yeah. So what we saw in the data that really tipped us off that this might be happening came from interviews of people who liked like really extremist porn. And that they often in their relationships were not actually interested in that with their partners, with like their primary partners. Hmm. That was really interesting. Like, why did you keep seeing that? So the point I was making is the type of porn a guy is consuming does not necessarily correlate with what they prefer in a relationship. And I think that that is really interesting, but it can also cause problems. So if a guy's sleeping around a lot, like you have one of these Chad guys who's sleeping around a lot, when they first engage with a woman, it means they're going to treat them much more in this brutal sexuality way. But as they begin to form an attachment to them, they will treat them much more caringly. Like their brain will conceptualize them within the long-term partner form of sexuality. But then the problem you have there is that the woman may have found them attractive for this sort of brutal type of sexuality. Right. And I suspect in BDSM dungeons, this is why taking on roles is so important as mm. well as the huge environmental change, because you are trying to trick your brain into believing the person you are engaging with is not actually your long-term partner, which is going to allow that different part of your sexual brain to activate. That's interesting. Yeah. But of course that, that creates a problem if in some communities that would be framed as losing frame, failing to maintain frame when what you're saying is it would, it's a natural course of events based on the way that, that humans function. So it's something to prepare for, for sure. But that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, but I do really like your take. It, it's such a fun idea of a take is like, oh, this, 
this this type of material recommends a guy to a woman. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun if, and I, I think this is something Ayla's even asked her Twitter followers about, like, wouldn't it be really fun to sit down with someone you're dating and go through their erotic material history? Which I think some people think about that and just like, their faces go pale. Like they couldn't imagine sharing this with anyone. Like it's this shameful thing that they would never ever want to share with someone. When I feel like you could actually learn so much about someone, like looking through that search history and view history. Well, you could learn a bit about, and this is what's really interesting about arousing things. Hmm. You can learn a bit about the things that are pre-coded about them. Ah. But I think that's what's really important is they didn't choose those things. Mm -hmm. And what's important to remember with sexuality, whatever a person's sexuality is, it, it, the, the things that arouse them is you have very little control over that. And this is something that religious traditions admit as well. Like totally. a lot of people, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, they're trying to like erase gay people or something. It's like, no, they admit that some people are born same sex attracted. They just have mm -hmm. a different cultural solution for that. Yeah. Like whether or not it's a more effective cultural solution is it's probably not like I admit, I, I would imagine if you're born same sex attracted, you probably have a much higher chance of committing suicide if you grow up in a, in a Christian household. But we also know from the data that if you're depressed, you have a much lower chance of committing suicide in Christian households. So what does that mean? We give our depressed kids to the Christians and we give our same-sex attracted kids to the progressives. Just do a, a child swap there for whoever <laughs> is likely to... I'm just, I'm just talking about the data. Like if, if that's what we're going on there. But yeah, so there's, there's different cultural solutions. But the point being, and I think that this is very important for people to remember, is the things that arouse you are not who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so they they are literally the least you part of you because they are like randomly coded things about you. They do not justify behavior. But if somebody's just consuming content, right? Like that it, it is, I don't know. I don't know if, if I can pass judgment here, but I do understand what you're saying, Simone. I You know me. I love seeing how people are weird, so. I see it as a major, a major perk. Well, but then I also know people that... like this is a very controversial thing and that a bizarre number of especially female partners think it counts as cheating, even if a male partner just looks at erotic material, which is a lot. That's, that's yeah, I, I, I actually hate to say there was this famous study where they were going to try to find men that didn't consume porn to compare with men that did consume porn. And they had to drop the study because they just couldn't <laughs> find a large sample size of men that consumed there was no porn. And I think yeah. that when you as a woman are sorting for guys who don't consume porn when they're in a relationship, what you're really sorting for is a guy who lies to you. Because or you're sorting for asexuality, which I do think we're going to see. Oh, yeah, you could be sorting for asexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which um, I think we're going to see more and more asexuality because it seems to be that there's a strong correlation between large amounts of endocrine disruptors and first trimester bloodstreams of mothers and less complete male sexual development for right. those well, babies. And I love so. people would be like, yeah, but you can control how, how often you consume erotic material. And I would say, well, the data doesn't really seem to suggest that. If you look at areas, like there's this great study that looks at areas by like the, the number of like religious people in them. And you actually get higher rates of porn consumption when you are in a cultural group that is more against porn consumption. Like but the I act think of trying to constrain it leads to it being more of a problem in your daily life. It's the same as, as binge eating. You're more likely to see binge eating behavior among people with very strict diets. Well, so this is... Yeah, actually, that's that's correct. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually comes to in our book, we were like, well, could you actually go to like a camp to cure gayness? Because you're we talking about how like sexuality can change. Like if you use hormone therapy, like the 25% of, of, of people when they go through the trans hormone therapy, they change their gender of primary attraction. And we're like, well, okay, well, can you use this information can, for anything? Like, no, because it's it's random and, and these people aren't going to want to go through hormone therapy. So what could you do? And we were like, oh, well, I guess you could go to a camp where you just have like tons of gay sex because you can actually desensitize yourself. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. The uh, downside to this sort of a camp, of course, would be that you would have to do it regularly. Like it would have to be a once a year, twice a year thing. And then we started thinking, we're like, oh, these all male secret societies in the woods for like the conservative elite. Is that something that exists? <laughs> oh, it is a thing that exists. Oh, is mm-hmm. that like a camp that's meant to make them like it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we I do know, it. hold on. I actually will say, I, I can't talk to any of my own, but there's a famous quote from Nixon about the Bohemian Grove where he said it was the gayest thing he's ever seen. I think um, he used a word meaner than gayest, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> we're being polite. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. There what are all types you, of solutions. Other, oh, I, I really do want to do a longer video on four at some point because I find that to be one of the most interesting weird arousal things. So this video yeah. was made in, in, in response to either being like, yeah, talk more about sexuality and our sexuality videos get the most clicks. Because that that one is confusing to me. Until we do a video, I, I would I would venture to say I suspect the answer might be boring it might just be a misfiring of the dominance and submission system yeah potentially that system was borrowed at some point one of the things we always say about evolution is evolution is a cheap programmer and it might have been borrowed at some point of our system used for hunting or maybe the hunting system was like trying to be hijacked by the the system used to like hunt someone down and rape them when you're like raiding a village and and that system became I don't know. I, I, I suspect well, it's something when like you, When you look at like Vor illustrations though, you can see that it's a, a confluence of so many things, even like swaddling interest. Like I, I think eating, I think extreme dominance and submission totally show up there too. But then there's a lot of like furry content in there. So I just, I think what's really interesting to me is how cross-sectional it is because it's very niche. Oh, we've um, got to do a video on furries sometime. I, I love that. Our, yes. our theory is actually um, coverage. an ancient practice. Well, you look cross-culturally, almost all cultures have some sort of furry-like practice where people in animal costumes dance around a fire to music. It's traditional it. culture. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is I actually think it might be an e- evolved group bonding ritual. You see this in, in medieval Europe. If you look at what the masquerade balls were actually like, they were often done with like animal masks during that period. You look at uh, ancient Egypt, early Native American cultures, early Asian cultures. I think in some Polynesian cultures, you see similar ceremonies. Like why would every culture on earth have the animal mask fire music ceremony? Like that's weird. And then we see it in today's society. It's because they're men of true culture. But we'll go f- full into furries at some point because I, I think that's really interesting. Yes. Um, no, and, the, and of course, of we're course. trying to bioengineer a cat girl army. <laughs> that is the faction of elite that we are, want to be aligned with, is the, is the cat girl army to, to replace you. That's the type of conservatives that we are. Cat because that army. faction is the winning faction. I'll it is it. the winning faction. To think that the <sighs> master race already exists. The master race is, is the cat girl. It lacks, it lacks the cute ears and tail. <laughs> and, and soon today approach to relationships i i don't 
I don't think we're anywhere close to the pinnacle until that comes. Yeah, well, we were, love these conversations. Weirdo, Simon. I love how you combine this weirdoness. It was just such an openness to groups that are very different from <laughs> you, and and eagerness to understand them. I, I really <laughs> appreciate that. It's it, it's so thrilling to have that in in my day to day life, and it really helps simmer portions of myself that may be overly judgmental or or look through groups that are different from me. Yeah, but you're still way better at diving down through new rabbit holes and finding the things that I love, which I'm just, I love that. I love waking up each morning and having you surprise me with some new discovery. So never stop that. Anyway, I love these conversations. Let's have another one soon. Okay. I love you too. <laughs>